0: This is The Playbook. This is Dave Meltzer with Entrepreneurs, The Playbook, and I have a superpreneur, and he's extraordinary. Ross Mullison is here. He's the founder and apprensario extraordinaire of Spiegel World. Welcome to The Playbook.
1: Oh, David, thank you so much. I'm really excited to be here. I'm in Atlantic City where we're building a new theater and a new restaurant and so excited to talk to you about everything.
0: Well, let's talk about that because in the world of virtuality and this you know, illusion of reality and AI and technology. Here you are in the traditional city of Atlantic City opening. I think you have a, a public opening June 30th, a grand opening, the 21st of July, uh, a restaurant and a theater, uh, which may be the most traditional two businesses in the most traditional space of Atlantic City. Why are you going backwards in time to provide that type of experience? Because I think that people connect through the
1: community of a restaurant. They connect through the community of live entertainment. They connect together to watch their favorite artist on stage or to come to watch the circus. Or the energy of a really great restaurant where you go and it's just a dirty great big house party and the food is delicious. And, you know, I want to go there tonight. Don't you? I mean, <laughs> Netflix is great. Don't get me wrong. I like streaming, you know, all the stuff, but then I, I like going out and I think we're finding more and more that when you combine incredible hospitality, great food, great beverage with incredible entertainment, uh, there's an enormous market for
0: that enormous. And I think people will continue to want that even more as everything becomes more deep in the facade or deep fake like and the virtual experiences are terrific and the TVs are amazing and the music and the sound, it's immersive, but it's not real. And we see it in the big venues and sports. Uh, You know, ticket prices are not going down. Just ask Taylor Swift uh, in the entertainment world. Thank goodness. I own a huge suite at SoFi Stadium with five concerts, Uh, probably the greatest profit center ever. I am a huge Taylor Swift fan now uh, because of her talent in person. Um, But you also have a unique experience. And I think that's important because uh, there are still a lot of theaters and restaurants But we want to provide, as you said, a unique experience. And I'm going to start with the restaurant because it has a unique name, Super Freako. And there's some connotations that I really enjoy that, you know, the freaks come out at night. Uh, We all want to be a little super freaky. Uh, For you, you know, what is the super freakish of Super Freako that is going to not only attract people, but want them to come back for more?
1: Oh, look you know like we started with this idea of frico which is the cheese around this incredible tiny six inch pizza we make and it, someone said well wow, that's like that's like it's not frico it's super frico and we were like oh my god what a great name for our restaurant because you know pizza is a part of it but it's Italian American restaurant and we created this idea of Italian American psychedelic where you're gonna come and and and, and just have elevated flavors and everything's like familiar but a little bit different because I think that's what we're all doing in business we're trying to provide something unique we're trying to exceed expectations and we we want people to come in and go ah oh, well, I expected it to be this and it was better it was even more than that you know it, i i don't know where i just was but it was fucking amazing and <laughs> you know and that's where super Frico comes from and You know, we started this restaurant two years ago during COVID. You know, like I of all the projects I've ever launched in my life, I thought this is probably the highest risk, most likely to fail. And sometimes just when you do that, that's the thing that succeeds the best. And this restaurant has gone crazy. And you know, we're building a new dining room. We cannot fit every enough people, we can fit enough in, but we can fit more in. There's more demand. That's what I'm trying to say. More demand is good. And uh It's still a tough business. Restaurant business is a margin business. Live entertainment, on the other hand, is, you know, if I sell more tickets, it doesn't cost me another cent. And in fact, I make more money out of my food and beverage. So, you know, live entertainment, if you get it right, is the best business in the world.
0: And it is The Hook, as you say, and you've named it The Hook Show. Let's talk about uh, the entertainment itself. And two, you mentioned how it complements and also... Uh, I think it brings uh, more exponentiality to the restaurant side of it. Um, how have you, number one, utilized the hook to hook people? And then two, how do you use it to convert people to additional streams of revenue?
1: Well, the thing about this theater is it's it's in a space where the 100-year-old 1929 Warner Theater existed. Um, I'm trying to my, raise my hand there. I'm getting excited. <laughs> but. I'll call on Uh, you, we're fine. (laughs) We had had this 100-year-old facade from the Warner Theatre, which was the wonder theatre of the world. And we had nothing behind it. So we built this beautiful 400-seat restaurant. And then where the dressing rooms are, we put a 400-seat theatre. And then where the dressing rooms are behind the theatre, we put the restaurant. So to get to the restaurant, you actually have to go through the theatre to the backstage and there's dressing rooms and dining. And then there's the props department and there's the, the bar where is in, is in where all the flies go, where all the, the drops go, you know, all the scenic art goes. So it's this incredible vibe of being in a working theatre, but being in a dining room. And it's actually, you know, we didn't mean for it to be a speakeasy restaurant, but it's a, it really is a speakeasy restaurant. You have to find it in the theatre. And, So you can come to the restaurant and come to the show, or you can come to the show and go to the restaurant, or you can just come and have a drink. You don't have to do any of that or, you know, just do the whole disaster. It's up to you.
0: And why did you decide to make it an adult only affair? I know it's seductively funny, the show, um, but a lot of people don't want to limit themselves to adult only. What was uh, in your mind with that?
1: because there's an enormous market for
0: people wanting to go out and play as adults and
1: they want to play in a different way than they do when they go out with their families. I love family circus. I grew up producing family circus and promoting the Moscow circus and Cirque du Soleil and all that stuff. It's great. But the market we appeal to are people who are going, no, we're going out. The kids are at the babysitter. This is great. This is a circus for us. And, you know, if we sell every ticket in Vegas, we have 15,000 tickets to sell in a week. So a million people come every week, roughly. There's 985,000 people who don't need to come, and I sell out. You know, like, <laughs> it's, it's about, and, and don't try, like, that's why I think you don't want to be for everyone. You don't want to be for everyone. Like, our tickets are a little bit more expensive. Our artists are the best in the world. They're amazing. And our experience is highly elevated. And, you know, and our theatre is gorgeous. We've just built this theatre. I'm going to, I don't know if you can see it here.
0: I'm sitting in
1: rehearsals right now and you're getting a very rare
0: uh, view.
1: And that's the director down there and we're working on the finale right now. And, you know, this did not exist six months ago. And we had all the artwork for the murals painted. Um, So it's a really... uh, It's a really technologically advanced theater, but it feels like it's been here 100
0: years. Everything that you do there is art-filled. It's Mm -hmm. very inspirational and playful. But one of the things that I've known about you from all the things that you're doing is as much as the experience revolves around these unique settings, uh, but it's the people that really make the memories. Uh, And you hire people that create the experiences you talked about hospitality the fine service but it carries over also into the theater as well you you just mentioned your director who's world famous and extremely funny as well but you know for you how important is the people compared to these extraordinary art filled venues and experiential aspects of what you've created i mean it's
1: everything to us and it, it's like in a world where people are saying AI and robots, we're like, we. I've got the guy from Vegas called Le Grand Fromage. He is the mozzarella expert who makes mozzarella table side. And he's down here teaching the crew in the kitchen how to make that table side mozzarella. Absolutely perfect. And he's the perfect person to do that. And then as he's making your mozzarella, he's talking to you and you're enjoying that whole experience. But, It's beyond that, because if you have people who exude hospitality, then your audience and your patrons, they become part of it. And the faces of your audience are half the entertainment. Like I'm sitting here watching that 80-year-old lady in the front row losing her mind over what's happening, you know, (laughs) or just getting hot and bothered because she's looking at this guy or girl that she thinks is gorgeous and you know, and everybody, the audience is laughing along with her, you know? And so, you know, it's, it's more than just the people you, who, who are part of the enterprise. It's, it's allowing people to come in and say, yeah, it's okay for you to play in here. It's okay for you to play in this environment.
0: Absolutely. Now, there is something about being an entrepreneur. We talked about it earlier when you said, you know, uh, this was a high risk venture that, Timing and risk tolerance analysis of something like this, um, but yet it didn't stop you. And what do you think it is in the subtleties when we try something that most people would think would fail, but yet it is hugely successful compared to the, uh, you know, what's called Monday morning quarterbacks that are like, you know, I told you, Ross, (laughs) this was a stupid idea. Uh, How do you mitigate your risk when you take such big chances or for you, do you mitigate the risk by knowing, hey, this is a big chance, but I've mitigated by certain things?
1: Yeah, I knew you'd ask me something along those lines. And, you know, at this point in the, in the deal, you know, we're opening for our first preview next week and, you know, two buildings that are one with a new restaurant, and a new theater. It's enormous, hundreds and hundreds of people are training in here right now to the point where it's impossible to find a quiet room. And I haven't slept a full fucking night for about yeah. two weeks, but it you do it based on your experience and the fact that you've known that you're going to go through these periods where you're terrified and you're worried. And it's part of my makeup that that terror just leads to being calm, you know, not yelling. If I yell, I fail. And, and, And knowing the data from what you've done in the past, ultimately, to say, yeah, you know, this restaurant can do 200 grand a week or it can do 400 grand a week. This show is probably going to do, worst case, 100 grand a week. We've got a runway of six months, you know, and it's it's really experience, theatrical experience and restaurant experience uh, that leads you to learn that. And, you know, um, so... Getting out, being part of the industry you want to be, be part of is an enormous part of it. Your experience is everything, right?
0: Absolutely. I, now I have a curiosity question because I think our personalities are similar. And it took me a little bit of time before I stopped yelling. In other words, it took me a little bit of time to learn what was called the majesty of calmness. Um, a, a lot of time, let's just say, and it helps. It has helped my marriage when I learned the majesty of calmness, and it certainly has helped all my businesses. Where in your career did you make that shift from, you know, not projecting your insecurities and fears and, you know, really spending minutes and moments in anger and worry and anxiety compared to, I'm sure with your personality, when you were young, uh, if we, if we could take back Certain things that we said at certain times, we certainly would. At what point in your career uh, did you kind of shift that paradigm for yourself? You know, it's just the people you meet along the way.
1: And I, my first ever boss that I worked for was a producer called Harry M. Miller. And he was the greatest producer in Australia at the time. And he he just told me, you scream at everybody until you get what you want. And, and he would scream and swear. And he would use the filthiest, okay, unbelievable, offensive statements of people. And I thought that's how you did it. And then along, finally, and then I worked with the Rolling Stones on a tour of Australia. And I worked with a promoter called Paul Dainty. And he was an English guy. He was the calmest, most gentlemanly man you've ever met. And he was in the process of losing millions and millions of dollars on this tour. And, and I was there doing all this marketing and sponsorship trying to mitigate all these problems. And I'm going, Oh my God, this guy must be stressed off his brain. You know, he's dining with Mick Jagger every night, trying to recut the deal with, you know, the, the tour promoter. And, and, and he's calm. And I was going, and that's more effective. And so, you know, just working with different people, I thought, yeah, you catch more flies with honey than vinegar. Um, And, uh, you know, well, I've got uh, 700 employees now. And if I walk around this theater screaming at people, that doesn't make it fun to come to work. You know? So, you know, that doesn't right. help. Um, it's, it's better I get involved and say, all right, we have this problem. How do we fix it? We've got plenty of problems. I got my liquor license 20 minutes ago. So, <laughs> I mean, oh, congrats. Uh, you know, that's, awesome. that's been, I've, I've had a, a team of 50 people learning our bar program with water for seven days now, you know, like just, you know.
0: (laughs) Nothing like having four four bars and no liquor. That's a little bit
1: ridiculous. And Atlantic City, the city, you know, the main prohibition famous. Uh, And and here I am and all I'm pouring is water.
0: (laughs) That's so good. All right, I'm gonna finish up with marketing. Um, You and I are a little bit longer in the tooth when it comes to marketing. We've been doing it for a long time. Uh, but it's changed so much. You know, you can't just stick in an advertisement and a playbill and a board, you know, billboard in Manhattan uh, to drive the traffic to Atlanta City. What are some of the things that you're using today uh, to build that community to provide you those type of numbers from the total addressable market that is big already, but you got to raise the awareness and attention to what you got going on? You know, it's a fantastic
1: question. And I say that because. Uh, As a marketer, I'm constantly thinking about how how we we do things better. But at the same time, um, we have to do things in a new way. And, I mean, for us, digital has been the key. We were shut down for over a year during COVID, and we built a whole digital backend for our business so that I can take the data straight out of the accommodation of my resort partner and then straight into our ticketing system, and then straight out of our ticketing system, straight into our restaurant reservation system. So, you know, and that might be 300 reservations a week coming out of my ticketing system. It may be 500 tickets a week coming out of their accommodation funnel, but it all adds up. And so creating that digital path has been absolutely critical for us. The second thing is doing what you're doing right now, and that is working out how to create content. And we now have a department of eight people creating content for whether it's TikTok, YouTube, Facebook, and, and creating, you know, okay, it would be great to have a Netflix special but or a Netflix series. But, you know, you don't actually need that. You can still do it yourself. You just don't want to have 30 subscribers. You want to have 30,000 subscribers. So you've got to find new ways to build brand. And the fact is there's a lot more ways to do it you still want to do some of the old stuff though. Like, you know, having the full page article a few weeks ago in New York times, the Wink Global, that helps, Um, you know, having, we got the front page of the wall street journal, you know, and and Caesars CEO rings up and goes, man, you know, finally, you're, you know, you're getting published in a paper I read and, you know, like, like, and, and that helps from a business perspective, you know, you get, casinos overseas ringing up saying hey we should have you because they read the wall street journal it's a paper of record you know so that's still old school pr we still do some of that we don't do double tracks double page spreads of the new york times anymore that's done but you know maybe maybe we'll get a new york times daily podcast or there'll be other things that pop up it's uh, same thing different different medium
0: you got the playbook and we certainly have a middle-aged high net wealth crowd that listens to uh the middle-aged mutant turtle David Meltzer, and you certainly found the right audience here to cannibalize. And we certainly will promote uh, everything about what you're doing: Super Freako, the Hook Show. Just make sure you save me a, a table when I come by Atlantic City. We'll bring a, a big crowd with us. Uh, I love imaginative person people. There's too many people today that allow technology to supersede their imagination. That will never happen to Ross Mollison. Come check out the Super Freako, the hook show. They're opening up. They're going to have a soft launch here in June, but opening grand opening July 21st. Anybody that's close to Atlantic City, you will be missing out on great memories if you don't attend. I promise you, Ross. Thanks for joining me in studio uh, there in Atlantic city. Congratulations on your liquor license.
1: Thank you, mate. It's lovely to see you again, David. I can't wait to see you guys. And, uh, you know, I, you don't want to miss out on those memories. I love that. Come and see us the jewel of the boardwalk, the hook, super frico, Spiegel world Atlantic city opening next Friday. I hope. No, really.
0: <laughs> can't miss. Won't miss. It'll happen. It's done. It's done. It's done. Ross Mollet, thanks for joining me. This is Dave Meltzer with entrepreneurs, the playbook.